We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Let's talk Valentine's Day, the holiday to express our love. For some on Valentine's Day, not me. But for some, they do get all gussied up. They give their sweethearts a special gift. Uh, perhaps they hit the dance floor, go on a special date. That's not me. That's not me. And, and so for that reason, um, and because I edit this show, you know, I don't want to talk about human courtship. We're going to talk about wildlife courtship today. And this idea of showing affection started, I think, way before humans anyways, before humans even dreamt of needing to express love to one another. You know, let's face it, we need to dedicate the concept of creating Valentine's Day to wildlife, to the animals. And today we're going to learn just why that is. And the best person to chat about wildlife courtship is Nebraska's own Lindsay Rogers. And we bring Lindsay to the microphone today because I've heard her do interviews on an outdoor radio show. It's going to be a fun episode, so stay tuned and welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm really glad to be here. I do think this topic is, it's a fun one, to be honest with you. I mean, we don't always talk about, we talk about wildlife and what they eat and what their predators are, but God, when you get into the courtship now, that's where the crazy stuff starts happening. So, so anyway, I think it's going to be a really great show. Lindsay comes to us again from Nebraska, as I stated. She has a bachelor's of science in environmental studies, um, a master's in curriculum and education from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She is the division administrator for the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission's Fish and Wildlife Education Division. She and her amazing education team are responsible for coordinating, implementing, and teaching all Nebraskans about natural resources, ecology, and getting outside and spreading that love to Kansas and Iowa today. Uh, Lindsay is passionate about sharing her love of nature and environmental sciences with students of all ages. Lindsay lives in Lincoln, Nebraska with her husband and her two amazing kids, Lucy and Sam. That's really sweet of you to say that about my children. Really sweet. I haven't That's seen them in a while. That's not the words I was, right? That's not the words I was using this morning on the way to school. Yeah, the, there wasn't sweet words coming out of my mm -hmm. mouth either this morning. Yeah. Our kids are about the same age, so I get it. I get it. But they got there, and they're happy and healthy, and I took a deep breath and drank a Diet Coke, and we were good. And we have to bring them back home. And we do. And we're happy after that little break. <laughs> Lindsay, we are so glad to have you on today and we before we jump into the topic at hand I do want to introduce one other voice that our listeners might hear I think when we talk about Valentine's Day love and we would be remiss if we didn't bring in the other gender so we are so excited to also have the the male voice on on today and it'll be brought to you by Mr. Jamie Cook who is our 
Southern's Forever um, and Iowa DNR Outreach Coordinator. So we are so excited to have him on with us. Hello, and uh, just as a side note, I have no idea what's about to take place, but it'll be fun, I'm sure. Yeah. So listeners, we've uh, we've kept Jamie in the dark because we didn't want to spoil any of the fun. We want to get his his honest and true reaction as Lindsay goes through her uh, her topic at hand. So without further ado, um, I, I want to get started here. And like Julia, I don't necessarily do this, but some people really go all out for Valentine's Day. They really just get dressed up, look, you know, the nines. Turns out that nature also gussies up her species uh, for courtship purposes. So what, and I'm air quoting, love lessons can we learn uh, from finding a mate from the wildlife in our regions of uh, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska? Yeah, gosh, that's a good one. I don't, I'm trying to figure out where to start. And, you know, you were talking about the courtship. And so um, a couple of the examples I'll give today are talking a little bit more about the actual reproduction. Um, and some of them are talking a little bit more about the courtship. Um, so I'll start out with the courtship. Nursery web spiders are a, a common species of spiders. It's a group of spiders, I will say. And they are, they're a pretty interesting courtship that they have. The nursery, um, the males will wrap the food in their silk. So they will find some sort of food and of course kill it. And then they will wrap it up in their silk. And they, and then the goal is to give it to their females to, to, bestow this upon them. If the female accepts it, she will mate with the male. And it is, it is important to know that not only will she accept the gift and mate with the male, but she will eat, she will unwrap and eat the food as they are mating. That's an interesting little tidbit for you there. Um, but here's the thing. Sometimes males lie. And sometimes what happens is the male will get hungry before he presents this gift to, to his love, his lady love, and he will um, suck out the insides and present her with basically an exoskeleton wrapped in silk. And really, she gets really ticked off with this, truth be told, um, but she has no way of knowing because it's still wrapped in silk and there's still, you know, like body parts in there. And, and so it looks pretty good. So she might accept it. Sometimes the male, okay. Going back to lying. Sometimes the males don't even bother with an exoskeleton. Um, they'll use a stick. They'll like literally grab some random stick and they'll wrap it in silk and then present it to her. Here you go. But here's the deal. The females are getting pretty smart to this. So females will actually weigh the package. They'll like put it in their, you know, in their, their, their hands, if you will, I use air quotes here, hands, she will, she will kind of weigh it to see if, if there's something in there, if it's just an exoskeleton or, or what have you, it's all fine and good. And she may be tricked and she still may meet mate with him. But remember, I said that she will eat this while they are mating. And so if in the middle of mating, she finds out that there is nothing in there, it's, you know, a stick or an exoskeleton, she will immediately stop copulating with him, immediately stop and um, like run away from him. You have to be careful when you present gifts to females. It needs to be legit. Like don't give her an empty box of chocolates. There should actually be chocolates in there. Bad things will happen if you if you don't actually have a gift in there, right? Empty box, not good. I was afraid that you were going to say like, she eats him. If... No, right? Like that would actually, I feel be more appropriate. But in this case, she holds her composure and she just walks away. Good for her. Good for yeah. her. Yep. Oh my I, gosh. Kudos to that. Right. Lindsay, I, but... I have to 
I got to jump in here. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> so there's so many questions that I have. Uh, <laughs> this may have been a bad idea to have a male participate in this today, but here we are. I, I feel like that is every time I go to the grocery store. Uh, is, is this, could, could this equate for us, for, for men, if we were to go to the grocery store more frequently uh, and come home? with our prize package then you get into the stick I'm, I'm just at a loss for you know i will say i'm at a loss for words i don't i'm confused when you say when you come home from the grocery store with your package because i don't really know like are you talking groceries yeah I, let, let me let me clarify yes okay groceries um, okay thank you thank you, you. Know, from, from my perspective if in a lot of times i don't go to the grocery store because i, I don't even do that right okay so, I feel like we're already behind the eight ball with just running to the grocery store and getting the right items. Amy has an amazing wife. We'll just start it off she right is. there. She's got an amazing wife. Yeah, 14 <laughs> years, she is absolutely amazing. You know, Lindsay, I wonder if the uh, if the human equivalent of this might be better summarized with them. Um, you know, we've all gone to the refrigerator and opened up that to-go container with our delicious leftovers from the oh. dinner before mm -hmm. to find out that our partner absolutely mm -hmm. betrayed us. And suddenly that to-go container is not quite as full as we left it, despite scratching your name in it and writing with it on current like you know, writing on it with crayon. Is that, is that kind of the similar idea? I would, I would say that, but I also want to point out that you are lucky if it's just a taste that is gone because in my household, I would find the empty to-go box in the trash and then words would ensue. Let's, let's jump over to garter snakes is really, really, their mating is very competitive. Um, so the, generally speaking, the, um, the females will come out of hibernation and the males will come out of hibernation. Females will release a smell, a pheromone, and the males will flock to her. And so they will end up creating this. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, like I love snakes, but even the thought of this kind of is a little, you know, gives me the heebie-jeebies. They will flock and create like this swarming, like seething ball of snakes um, it's called a mating ball. This mating ball consists consists of um, tons of males. Like we're talking, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 males that are all swarming around this female in the center of the ball. What's interesting though, is, is that the sneaky males will emit a smell similar to that and lure males over to him. And then when the other males get over to this male, sneaky male snake, he will slither back and actually attempt to mate with the female. So he's like luring away all the males and then he will go back and he will, he will get the lady. That's a little tricky. I'm not sure what the equivalent of this would be for humans thought about it, but I, I really can't come up with anything. So um, you haven't seen a big ball of guys. I have rolling not. Around. No, no. <laughs> and usually that stinky smell coming from the side is that person usually gets left alone. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, the, the prairie chicken is another one that is going to really attempt to impress the ladies. So um, the males will form what's known as a lex. And this is really just a large group of males and they will gather to display for the female. And so what does, what does displaying look like? Well, the males will boom. And so they will create a sound. It sounds very much like a drum, 
um, beating, but it's really just them inflating and deflating their air sac and producing that booming sound is actually a movement of air. So on the front of a prairie chicken, when they're not booming, when they are not in mating, trying to impress the females, they have these little tiny orange circles on their, um, oh, kind of on their chin and or on their neck. And they're really nondescript and you don't notice them. But what's the truth is, is that they can fill these with or with um, air. And so these little tiny little um, orange circles become giant orange balloons. So all of a sudden they have these huge orange balloons that are like the size of their head um, on their neck. And this apparently will impress ladies. And then the males will also dance for the females. They will do like a sidestep move. And it's really kind of funny because it's like a really fast pattern with their, with their feet. And they, we call this strutting. I probably would just call it dancing um, or looking like a fool, but um, officially it's called strutting. And the males will spar each other with their talents or they're going to fight with each other. And the, the female will look at this and be like, okay, which one is booming the loudest and which one is... Um, got the biggest, brightest orange air sacs and which one is the best dancer and which one is the best at sparring or fighting. And that's the one that she will choose, choose to mate with. So the males of greater prairie chickens, I really think have to do quite a bit, to be honest with you, to, to win over those females. Lindsay, something I'm curious about, um, sometimes we see like with deer after the rut, um, those male deer that have been rutting really, really hard their bodies actually suffer from all of the like caloric output that that takes all of the energy it takes. Do you see that with things like animals like prairie chickens as well? Or can you not notice those body degradation aspects as much? Generally, you don't notice them as much. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are not, you know, expending a lot of energy, but we don't necessarily see it um, like loss of feathers or loss of weight. We don't notice it. That said, I'm not hundred percent sure that, you know, we've ever like really studied that in depth. And so, um, so prairie bulls are these tiny little, they're not rodent, right? So they're, a, they're a rodent species and they're, they're little to, to a common person. They might look like a mouse, but they are a separate species. They are a vole species and they are incredibly affectionate. So they are fairly faithful. So this is rather unusual in, you know, in uh, mammals, about 5% are monogamous, but in prairie bulls, it's one of those, one of those species that really sticks together with their partner. They spend um, upwards of 60% of their time together, if not more. In some cases, it's been more than that. So imagine spending all day or 60% of your time with your, with your significant other. That's what a bull will do. When they get stressed, it's even cuter. They give hugs and kisses to de-stress each other. It's really super sweet. When yeah, another, you lost me at spending sixty percent of the time with my mate. Oh, the right. mate. Okay, the but mate, I'm gonna, I mean, hold on. I'm I'm gonna get you back because there's alcohol okay. involved. Oh, so okay. I will get you back. Okay. Um. So when another member, like when another bull approaches this super happy couple, the happy couple will chase them away. Like they're serious. They are in deep, deep love. Unless they get drunk. So, oh, 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 oh right, okay. exactly. So when they get drunk, they, um, the males will stray. The male will, will go find others to, to love on. It's interesting because the alcohol will make females closer to their, to their mate, right? So the females want to spend even more time with them and give them more hugs and kisses, but the, the males, not so much. The males prefer to stray 
and find love elsewhere when they are drunk. What's their favorite choice of drink? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. I'm not gonna lie. When I read this study, I was like, "Well, like, wh- like, what's happening right. here?" Because right. like, yeah. there's yeah. no alcohol being left out at my house. Like, <laughs> you start a beer, you finish a beer. No, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to look at though what would be sources of quote alcohol in nature, and that's when berries or fruits would ferment. And so there are sources. So if they happen to eat a fermented piece of fruit or a fermented berry, then of course they are going to get tipsy. Scientists that studied this. Right. What, what a yes. what an in, fun job, I guess. I guess, right? You know, I don't know though. Like really, if you think about it, like can you imagine having to watch Prairie Bowls and be like, no, 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 no. That's Bill. That's Bill number 2498. And Bill is doing this. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta watch and, oh, Bill's supposed to be with Tina, but Tina's with Ron now. So, oh boy, I mean, that's, this is soap opera in the making. It's exactly, that's exactly yeah. it. Days of our wildlife. Oh <laughs> my God. That's so good. As the oh wildlife gosh. turns. As the wildlife turns. <laughs> oh even. my God. I'm totally, I'm totally, I feel like this could be, you know, everything's gone virtual and everything, like there could be little cartoon series on this but factual like totally factual but you know youtube series coming out of the uh, fisheries and wildlife education division that's exactly what it's gonna be and Mm -hmm. you know it's gonna be like ted the white-tailed deer is sick because he spent a little too much time mating and and then his fur and and then his antlers fell off and then his antlers fell off and yeah life's not going too good for ted but yeah I get it. <laughs> well, I don't get everyone, it, but it's funny. <laughs> everyone beware. Right. Well, Lindsay, I've got some questions for you. So, um, you know, we're recording this in the beginning stages of February. And I think now is when everyone starts having conversations with their significant other of like, hey, are we doing gifts yeah. this year? Are we are we doing this? Or can we just be chill? Um, so Valentine's Day really is considered to be a gift giving holiday. You know, it's really part commercialized and part courtship. Um, I'm curious how that is reflected in the animal kingdom. Do animals give gifts to their prospective mates or um, is that a uniquely human thing? I highly suspect that it's not. I think I know a little bit about pebbles and penguins. Um, Yes. You know, we've heard about the gifts that spiders give and I don't know that I'm interested in a silk wrapped fly, but what other examples might exist out there? (laughs) Uh, Actually, loggerhead shrikes are a great example. So um, male loggerhead shrikes, this is a prairie bird. Oftentimes what we would see is male loggerhead shrikes will present their female with an insect. This is what they eat. And so he wants to say, listen, I'm really good at catching insects. You will want to mate with me because I'm really good at catching insects. And also look at what I brought you. Like, I'm so amazing. Look what I brought you. But the interesting thing is, is that they will not just present the the insects to the female. They will generally speaking, stab the insect on something. So if we think about plants, um, sometimes a plant would have a defense mechanism of a, like a spine. Like if we think of roses or like a locust tree, they would have spines on them and the male will spear the the insect on there and the female will be like oh wow that's so amazing if you happen to drive by a farm or a ranch you may notice they have barbed wire and barbed wire is in effect to a to a loggerhead shrike just another example of a you know a skewer and so they will they will go ahead and skewer them so if you drive by a or you're walking past a barbed wire fence and you see all these insects 
on all the barbs, you know that it's a loggerhead shrike that's been out there. So they will definitely present present gifts in that way. Kebabs. I mean, I like kebabs. I would take right? a kebab as a Valentine's yeah. Day gift. Yeah, exactly. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I'm hearing. So Jamie needs to go, not only go pick up the groceries, but bring them home and present them in a beautiful manner. Maybe put them in the fridge, put dinner out, a little flower right? in the vase. I'm Come on, Jamie. like <laughs> grilling a steak would be really great. You should get twice baked potatoes while you're at it though, because that's just yeah. going to add my wife loves uh steak and mushrooms and things on the grill that's for sure but i think i am much more of a bald eagle type right. I'm much more of a bald eagle type relationship like every day is just the gift right in the trenches raising the kids getting them out of the nest so i, I can I, see that just going home and spearing something i that's that's not where i am uh but or where we are just for a day yeah, you know, if we get time, but we got right. to come and sit in the nest for us so that we can. You know, it's interesting you bring up bald eagles because I was actually going to talk about bald eagles. And while I will um, give you that bald eagles are typically monogamous uh, and, and really the males and the females care for those young um, very, very equitably. Um, in fact, by some accounts, the, the quote unquote divorce rate among uh, bald eagles is about 5%. So really it's a highly, in the, in the animal kingdom, that is highly monogamous. But it's interesting you bring this up because um, they actually get incredibly aggressive when they're actually breeding. So generally speaking, the males and the females will, um, in the courtship, they will get in some deadly battles. The, the cartwheel courtship, as sometimes it's called, they will lock talons and the two bald eagles will fly up into the sky and then they will lock talons. And then they will almost, because here they are locking talons, but trying to fly and it doesn't work. So really what happens is they end up doing this like end over end cartwheel spin towards the ground. And usually they break apart just at the last second, um, but it has been known that they have not broken apart, that their talons have gotten locked and they've hit the ground. So it's pretty aggressive the way that they, um, you know, court each other. Um, they also chase each other, right? Flying, they will do a roller coaster flights where they will fly high and then drop down and fly high and down. But then you come back to, they also gather materials for the nest together. And they really bond over building this giant nest. And as you know, or maybe you don't, but bald eagles utilize the same nest over and over year after year. And so it's not just like they bond over building the nest the first year, they actually bond in fortifying and building the nest even bigger year after year after year. So yeah, it's a little rocky or a little dangerous at first, but then it really settles down and it becomes a a really great equitable relationship. Lindsay, if there was ever any question that you were the right person to speak on this topic, (laughs) the fact that you came to this podcast today with the divorce rates of bald eagles, I think really affirms that you are the gal for the job. Well, I mean, these are terms that people understand, you know, like I could use the term copulate and, you know, I don't, it just seems these are the terms that we all know. And it makes sense when we talk about it that way. The divorce, I had it um, somewhere else, if you will, the divorce rate among, or the polygamy, I guess it's really polygamy. The polygamy rates of mammals are um, generally like 95%. Most mammal species are polygamous. But when you look at birds, it's really more like, uh, it's almost opposite. More birds are monogamous than they are polygamous. 
I don't know. It's just interesting. I don't know. You can say that this topic is taboo and you can say that it, we shouldn't talk about it, but really from a science standpoint, this is just science. This is looking at the research. This is looking at, um, and, and there's a reason for all of this, right? So um, when the prairie chickens boom and they strut their stuff and they blow up their, their air sacs, really this isn't anything different than, you know, a human dressing nicely to go out on a date or take them dancing or courting them in some ways. When a male nursery spider brings a snack wrapped in silk, it's really not anything more than taking your girl out to dinner. Um, generally speaking, it's nice if you actually get her dinner and don't just wrap up nothing in a box. It, it, there's a reason that animals do all of these things and evolutionarily this has worked for them. And so they continue this, this courting ritual, perpetuate their species. It's really just about finding a mate to have young to, to grow the species. No, definitely. It's been fascinating to, to sit back and listen. And, and we're definitely glad that, that Jamie and, and his significant other didn't uh, follow 100% suit with the, right. the bald eagles and, and lost those talons because we know he's still with us. So he didn't have that, that fatal doom there. But I do know that he, he met his significant other at a camp. And I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, maybe he was shaking his tail, tail feather or, or mm -hmm given a pickup line out there and you've talked a little bit about some of the displays that some species did like the the prairie chicken and stuff just uh curious if you have any other favorites out there in regards to pickup lines or our displays and dances that that animals are using to attract each other yeah so i do love the painted turtles i think painted turtles are a great example these are pond turtles they're the ones that you often see sitting on the logs three or four or five or six or eight of them on the log so once they emerge from hibernating they almost instantly start thinking about mating which is by the way not unique to painted turtles this is this is very common for most reptiles and amphibian species they they come out of hibernation and like the first thing on their their mind um, quite honestly, is not necessarily food, it's mating. So that is an interesting point. But back to the painted turtles, to attract a female, the male will actually approach the female head on, right? So he'll, he'll come face to face with her and he will tickle her face gently with his claws for a few minutes. So he uses his little claws, he tickles her face. If the female is open to the idea, then she lets him know this by stroking his arms. So she will, she will stroke his arms with her hand. If they both decide it's a match, then and only then will they mate. So a lot of tickling, a lot of rubbing before we can actually mate. I'm, I'm going to jump species on you, but still stay in the aquatic turtle community. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, I did some research on red-eared sliders. Yes. Uh, and uh, my research was based on trap enticement. Like what's going to bring a male into a trap. And so we set up some there, some scenarios. Uh, one was without food or a female present. The other one was with food only present. The third was a female present only. And then the fourth was food and the female. Uh, the most popular one for male red-eared sliders was the package deal where you had both food and the female present. The, the trapping rate was incredibly higher. So that uh, that popped into my brain as you were talking about the painted turtles. So, you know, that's certainly connections. There certainly is, and Jamie, that really um, is interesting because I um, anecdotally have never done research on this, but anecdotally have seen the same thing with with humans, with human males. It's um, if there's girls and food, if there's pizza and girls, the party's gonna be pretty good. But if there's you know 
pizza, okay, that's great. It's free pizza. I'm going to come. Or if there's girls, yeah, you know, definitely I'll come. But if there's pizza and girls, oh my gosh, right? Yeah, They're certain there. restaurant chains have really, um, really profited off the idea of yes. females and food in the same venue. That is a very, very good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, red yeah. sliders or, or painted turtles. That's all that is really. Turkeys, I mean, going to the perspective of you know, kind of in our, those of us in the hunting world, turkeys, you know, we see them out there dancing, doing, uh, shaking their tail feathers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's another way that you can even see them, you know, out your window doing those things visually quite often during the spring season. Seasonally, is that, is, is turkeys or any of these animals, are they typically a seasonal thing or is it year round? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, the majority of species, it's going to be um, seasonally, right? And so it just really then depends on the gestational period. So most animals would like to have their young early in the spring or in the spring because that provides them the, the maximum amount of time where the weather and the food is favorable to raise young. And so it just depends on when the, you know, the gestational period. So for example, um, you know, if you're an insect, you can go ahead and mate um, right after you emerge or um, you're, you hatch um, in the spring, then you can usually mate, um, or I guess insects aren't really a great example, probably um, if you are a reptile or an amphibian, you're going to emerge from hibernation and you're going to mate almost immediately so that those young can, can grow and have the most amount of um, growing. But if you're a deer, you're going to actually mate in the, the late fall. Why? Because your gestational period is long enough that you need to be pregnant over those females need to be pregnant over the winter months in order to then have their baby in the spring. Generally speaking, it is seasonal. That is not the case with um, every species. For example, squirrels will meet any time of year, but the majority of animals will mate either in the fall in preparation for spring or in the spring, early spring in preparation for um giving birth later that spring or in the summer. Gestation is that time within their pregnant. Right. So yep. the time yep. from insemination until birth is the, yep. the gestation. Well, speaking of Valentine's Day, red seems to be that theme color of Valentine's Day. Red is kind of that intense, maybe a hot color often used to show passion can we see is there a color changes uh, or does color attract the mate in the wildlife world yeah so we're gonna see two different things when it comes to color first and foremost we're gonna see what's known as sexual dimorphism sexual just means male or female and dimorphism meaning changes or differences i guess i would say is differences so sexual dimorphism generally speaking is well not generally it's it's the males and the females look different so Um, It could be as simple as something like in most raptor species exhibit sexual dimorphism with the females being larger than the males in that the females have to carry the eggs and they have to reproduce and and, um, care for the young. But 
when we start talking about colors and sexual dimorphism, generally speaking, what we're talking about is the males will be brighter color. And this is true in many bird species. If you think about pheasants, the males are going to be significantly brighter, more colorful. The goldfinch, the American goldfinch, the cardinal, northern cardinal. Even when we start talking about painted turtles or we start talking about box turtles, the males are going to be brighter in color. And that is, of course, to attract a female. That's to say, look at me, I'm so beautiful. I should be your mate. On the other hand, the females, generally speaking, will be lighter colored, kind of dull brown colored. And that's because oftentimes, not always, but often the females are the ones responsible for caring for the young. So they want to be able to hide and protect the young from that. So, so that's what we will typically see is, is sexual dimorphism. The other thing that we will sometimes see is, is that um, species will change color throughout the course of the year. And so a good example is the American goldfinch, which the males are kind of a drab brown color, very similar to the females for most of the year. But then in the spring, the, the males will molt and lose all their feathers and they will regrow these bright gold and black feathers in an effort to attract a female. So usually when we talk about sexual dimorphism and we talk about the males are gonna be a brighter color. World of animals, do they see red as a dominance as well? Is that like a single color of attraction or dominance? Or is that just us humans using that, using the red as the dominance? I think that's Hallmark has instilled yeah, okay. that in us. That's what yes. I thought. Because yes, you have it. to remember animals, generally speaking, are going to see colors differently than us. And, and, and in a lot of ways, they don't even see colors. Right, um, right. Or red might turn out to be green for them. So that's definitely a human human trait. Well, I guess we had to evolve somehow. Right, right. <laughs> we had to pick some color. I mean, the, the porcupine is a, is a really crazy example. Do, you, do any of you know what the porcupine does? Remind Can, me. yes. So the female will, um, first of all, she will release her perfume, if you will, which is really just a musk that she's releasing into the air. And that's going to let all the males know in the area, oh my gosh, there's a female, she's ready to mate, please let me find her. So the males will be drawn to the smell. And then if there's two or more males that come to this female, they will actually fight because, you know, they've got to fight and prove their dominance. So once the, 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 the winning male and the female find each other, they will begin with nose rubbing. So they will rub up on their nose. And then if the female accepts the male, he will actually urinate on her. And if this urine is up to her standards, she will then mate with, she will mate with him. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, the, the crazy thing is, is that not only like, is it crazy that he urinates on her, which let's back up for a few minutes and pause and, and think about that. Really let that one sink in for a minute, but she's only receptive for eight to 12 hours a year. Like that's it. Like she's got 12 hours to get wow. pregnant or we're done for the year. So, wow. um, right. That has to really even affect the, the population. Yes. And yes, it does. So, so anyway, that's, that's an interesting one is, um, you know, first she releases a crazy smell. He likes it. He comes on over, he fights a couple males. Then she she gives her nod and he, he urinates on her. And that's kind of opposite then of a lot of other animal species because typically it's the male that is tossing out that musky smell and not the female. Right, right. But you remember in garter snakes, the female is also the one that releases the smell. So it just depends, but you're right. It's usually the males that will release a smell, but... Um, 
females can also indicate their their receptiveness, if you will, <laughs> by by you know wearing perfume, right? Ah, yeah. Yes, I Jamie, I do want to let you know that that is not a viable option for this Valentine's Day. Do not go with the porcupine. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had plans to or not, but I'm just. For no. your wife's sake, who I've no. never met, but for no, her sake, not I'm at all. You. That, yeah. uh, that is not on my radar. Ever. Okay, good. Any Valentine's Day. <laughs> I do have a porcupine follow-up question for you, though. Okay. Do porcupines live in colonies, or how, if they have eight to 12 hours, how do they even find a mate in that time? I mean, right. some of yeah. us struggle for 20 years to right. find that same thing. And right. No, they don't live in colonies. They're solitary animals. And so it's, it, yeah, their, their population isn't huge. Well, at least I can, I can really speak to Nebraska's population there, but their population is not huge. And um, certainly that has some indications of it, you know, habitat and habitat availability and the proper habitat is, is part of it in Nebraska, but then also just the reproductive choices, if you will, don't lend themselves to huge populations. So Lindsay, since we got the, the wonderful news this week by our groundhog friend that we're, we're facing six more uh, weeks of winter, um, what might be some of the other activities that birds and animals are doing right now as we, we wrap up these winter weeks to ensure that they have successful nesting in a birthing season? Yeah, that's a great question. So last I checked, birds don't pay attention to Punxsutawney Phil. So they don't know that we have six more weeks of winter. So they could, like, for all they know, it's like tomorrow. It's coming around the corner. Certainly they take cues from nature as to when it's going to start warming up and when things bud out. But a lot of our raptor species will start mating right now. Um, and in fact, if you watch um, bald eagles, if you watch owls or hawks, um, they're getting ready to mate or already starting mating now because they will want to lay their eggs um, in late February, March. And the interesting thing is, is that there's some research that indicates that they want to have their young first so that their young are fledging or leaving the nest and learning how to fly just in time for songbirds starting to establish their nest and starting mating. Because oftentimes when songbirds are mating or raising young, they are careless. They don't, they are more interested in establishing their territory and defending their territory and mating and caring for young than they are watching for predators. And so it's a perfect time for young raptors to be fledging and, and trying to eat their own, you know, find their own food to eat right when songbirds are, are starting to get into territory. So generally speaking, we'll see that. We will also see foxes starting to kind of love on their ladies. Um, the other thing is, is that groundhogs, it actually begins in the fall. So as weather gets colder and the days are shorter, groundhogs will go into their den um, and, and they don't totally hibernate. They go into more estrus. So they will, they will go into a really, really deep sleep, almost like torpor, and they will sleep a lot. They, but, but that said, in, on a really nice January day, the males will get up, right? So the, the females generally don't. When it's a really nice weather out in January, the females just sleep right through it. On the other hand, the males uh, will wake up and they will actually visit the dens of female groundhogs in the area. So they'll go into the den, kind of stalker-ish, I think. Personally, I think it's a little creepy, 
but the males will wake up on those nice days. They'll go in and they will venture into the female's den. He might even stay for an hour or two. And remember, she's asleep and oblivious to this whole thing. He might even stay for a couple of days, right? Creepy. But when spring has finally arrived, both the male and females will emerge from hibernation and the male will already know, dude, this is the girl. This is the one. Um, this is the one I'm really interested in. So like a, it's kind of like a sleeping beauty thing. Does, I mean, does he does he kiss her and she wakes up or no, like she just um, naturally wakes up and like he might not even be in. He's probably not even going to be in the hive when she wakes up. So she's oblivious to all of this. And yet the male's like, dude. I already know you. I've been stalking you all winter long. Oh, like a peeping Tom. Right. It's, it's, creepy. it's totally creepy. So yep. Punxsutawney Phil, like that's a whole other side of Punxsutawney Phil that nobody ever thinks about. Completely creepy. Um, yeah. And, and in my household, I, we have three little girls uh, and we don't wake any of the females uh, <laughs> at all, especially mama. She has to get up on her own. Otherwise the, the day could could be in peril if yeah, we were yes. mama too early so uh that thing that that's good advice just to let her lay and do her thing okay but don't like don't stalk her right yeah it's okay to let her don't sleep watch. but like don't stop like there's don't watch her sleep right? <laughs> right? don't pull up a chair and watch her sleep because that's creepy yeah but i, I did mean, appreciate that that side of not waking her up I, right I like we that. call that don't poke the bear at our but, house you know you'll you'll watch some of these romance movies where you know the the man with like the six pack is sitting there on the bed next to the lady that's mm -hmm. asleep and he's just staring at her and and you know it's always like oh what are you doing i oh, was just admiring how beautiful you are when you sleep that that's not real in real life no I, I, it's just it's not quite the opposite it, it creeps my wife out if I would just be laying on my elbow in bed watching her sleep. Get on downstairs and make breakfast. Right. <laughs> Bring me food in a web, web right? Go wrap up the food in a silken web and bring it to me. Or put it on a skewer. I want right. a kebab. Right. <laughs> Lindsay, one of the questions we did have, though, is, you know, obviously we discourage any humans from getting involved. We want to give all of our outdoor critters all the space they need to um, bond with their loved ones. But um, is there anything that we humans can do to help these matters of love in the natural world? So generally speaking, the answer is no. Like, just let them be. Let them go on their own way, do their own thing. Um, if you are looking to attract wildlife, certainly we encourage you to plant native species because um, the, the native species are um, attracted to native species, right? So they evolve together and we want to see as many native plants and wildlife habitats as we can so that we can then see and encourage our um, wildlife species, our wildlife friends to, to encourage them to be in those habitats. Um, if you're interested in um, birds, you know, it's not a bad idea to put up a birdhouse or a bird feeder that does not guarantee that they will use either of those. There's, there's a couple things that you can do, but in general, really encourage people to just let wildlife do wildlife's thing and encourage them to steer clear because you don't want somebody to interfere with your mating 
um, or your mating potential. And so we shouldn't do that to wildlife either. It's safety, it's safer for you and it's safer for wildlife if you just steer clear. Definitely, nobody likes a, a pushy wingman. Right, yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a question regarding to perfect words that a male or even female or the partners can say. Those, those, those sweet words that will draw attention. Do wildlife perhaps make certain sounds? Do they make a noise, play an instrument, uh, sing a song? You know, are wildlife doing those types of verbal sounds to attract a mate? You know, there are some really good examples of this. Um, Sandhill cranes are a good example of this. So they will not only dance, but they will also um, have this really, really fascinating um, almost like ancient sounding call that they will make. And that's um, a good indication. Um, it is important to note that sandhill cranes mate for life. And so oftentimes that calling um, will either set up the initial pair or it's then to find their mate. So there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of sandhill cranes converging on, for example, the Platte River in March. And how am I going to find my dude, right? How am I going to find my lady? So they will use that, that calling to find their specific mate. But then we can also look at the prairie chickens are booming to, to make those, those louder noise. Typically speaking, um, you know, some mammals, like I think of white-tailed deers will do some grunting. But when I think of calls or noises, I typically think of bird species because they're going to do it, they typically do it the most. So um, bird species will do it to set up their territory and then they will often do it to attract a mate and then they have different calls or songs to communicate warnings versus love versus I'm caring for you as my parent child interaction. Frogs are also a really great one that are going to do some some calls. If you listen for cricket frogs or chorus frogs there it's a very unique sound. I would suggest you listen for them in well gosh it just depends on what the weather does but as soon as we start getting those those thaws so end of March April um, by the time the end of April rolls around, you're going to hear frogs really loud. So um, I love hearing that sound because too. that tells me spring is here. Yes. It's like that sound of spring and it's like the sound of the cicada is summer. Now yep. it's not a sound I always want to hear because that means summer's about to end, but I, you know, you just associate the, that wildlife sounds to that season. Yeah. That's a good point. So yeah, I mean, certainly animals will use those calls or songs to attract a mate or establish a territory. Um, yeah. Is there a sound in the birds? And maybe that's just been studied when that angry sound, like, you know, my husband knows that that pitch in my voice, that fluctuation <laughs> in my voice when, when you're angry. Um, I'm curious, you know, is that a sound that has been studied in birds or wildlife in general? To, to my knowledge, it is not um, in that specific, very, very specific <laughs> males knowing to leave females alone category, right? Okay. Okay. Um, but I will say, especially in birds, they, they have, you know, the, the wild turkey has 28 different calls and they each mean something different and they each um, are used in different circumstances. And so there certainly are ways that a female or a male could let their partner know I'm not having it. It's, it's interesting though, you say there is a pitch in your voice. For me, it is, I go quiet and I talk real oh, soft. And knowing and you, Lindsay, calm. yeah, oh. knowing you, Lindsay, I bet. Yeah, I, I, I know when you get calm and silent, 
watch out. Craig should probably just go hide in a closet. He should, right? And it's funny because it doesn't happen very often. Truth be told, it doesn't happen very often. But even the kids know. They're like, oh, God, mom's quiet. (laughs) Steer clear. Go pick up your room. Quick, go pick up your room. So, Lindsay, this has been a great conversation, a great topic, learned a lot. You know, I bet we could go on probably a whole nother hour about the amazing things that uh, wildlife species does to celebrate their own Valentine's Day. Right. <laughs> there any crickets and lightning bugs. We could talk all kinds of good stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, where could, you know, on our, even on your websites, here in Nebraska Game and Parks website. Is there a website that we could direct them to that they could learn more about Nebraska wildlife? You know, so as we um, venture into Valentine's Day, I would encourage um, people, we have a webinar coming up on February 10th. So people can um, check that out. It's, I kid you not, it's called Dude, Let's Talk About Love. And so it's a a webinar that we can talk about um, different species, some of the same species, but in a little bit more depth. So I encourage you to check out that. And then, um, you know, there's a number of different websites out there that are really factual based comical yes but factual based on wildlife mating rituals so i encourage you to to search those sites up get on the google machine and get and right. find that out all right well Lindsay, thank you for joining us today absolutely it's been a pleasure so we encourage our listeners to be creative this valentine's day and to give the gift of our podcast to your loved one. Share this episode, share our podcast on your Facebook and social media platforms. You know that your family and friends want to hear our voices too. And that's a Valentine's gift to us. Also, we ask that you review this podcast on your your app and Facebooks and get the word out about the conversations that we shared today in in the past and in the future. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of She Goes Outdoors. Again, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, sgooutdoors.com. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you outdoors. Outdoors.